Thank you for downloading the Two Cities Church podcast, where we are pushing back darkness by spreading the good news of King Jesus. And now, here is this week's message from Pastor Jeff Struker. I'm on this trail, riding my mountain bike, for the third time for people that are at home. And I fall over in the middle of nowhere. It's, it's a good thing that there's lots of trail and there's nobody around because I'm laying on the ground and I feel like I'm a four-year-old trying to figure out how to ride a bicycle again. The very last time that I was there, I was cruising along. I was doing great. I was thinking to myself, this is going to be the first time that I actually made it across the trail without falling over, falling over. And sure enough, right before I get to the gravel parking lot where my truck is parked, there's a little patch of trees and a little bit of gravel. And no kidding, y'all, right before I get to the trees and the gravel parking lot, I fell over. And I'm clipped into my bicycle pedals, which means now I'm laying on my back with the tires of the bicycle in the air like a tortoise on his back going, ah, ah. And I'm trying to make sure that there's no little children around looking at the grown man who doesn't know how to ride his bicycle. And I'm not exactly sure why it embarrasses me so much to fall over on this bicycle because we're all human and we all fall from time to time. And what I try to remind myself when I'm dusting myself off and getting back on the bicycle is that we're all gonna stumble from time to time. You guys know what I'm talking about? It's not stumbling that really matters. It's actually getting back up after you stumble and really what's even more important than that is to make sure that you're on the right path. And so here's what I want you to hear from the Bible today. We're going to look at a passage from John chapter 14. And Jesus is going to predict that some people are going to stumble. And he's going to remind them. It doesn't matter how often you stumble. We're all human. We're all going to stumble. It doesn't really matter how often that happens. What matters really is that you're on the right path and that you're following the way, the way home. The way that we're referring to was so significant that after Jesus went back to heaven, his followers called themselves followers of the way. This is how big of a deal it is that we are on the right path and we're on our way home, the real home that we belong to, the first and the most important city. We call it the heavenly city, the second city, this, e, this here city, this earthly city that we're in. It's not nearly as significant as the heavenly city that we're heading towards. And today is the anniversary of Pentecost. It's the moment that Jesus poured out his spirit and his disciples were radically changed. Now, between Jesus's resurrection and Pentecost, his disciples stumbled a little bit. Actually, from the moment that Jesus had his last supper, some of those disciples didn't just stumble, they faltered. Some of them fell flat on their face. And Jesus is going to prepare us today for the moments where you're going to fall down, skin your knees up a little bit, and he's going to help us get up and get back on the path when you do stumble. So I want you to hear a couple of things directly from Jesus about preparing yourself for troubled times and for hardship. The song that we just sang from Kayla and the team a moment ago. And then before this sermon's over with, 
I'm going to give you just some practical advice about how you can get back up after you fall down, because all of us fall down. Some of us, like me, when you fall down, it's pretty ugly. And here's the first thing that I want you to hear from the Bible today. This just comes naturally from John chapter 14. Don't let fear cause you to lose the way because fear affects all of us. Listen, all of us share different fears. All of us deal with fear from time to time. And I think fear is a really powerful weapon that the enemy uses to cause us to hold back or to cause us to get off track and to perhaps get on the wrong path. And Jesus is preparing his disciples up front when he says this. We're going to start in John chapter 14, verse 1. And I want you to hear this very famous passage. And I want you to hear the tender heart of the king as he prepares his servants to lead them and lets them know some of you are really, really going to struggle. All of you are going to stumble. Some of you are really going to struggle. And I want to prepare you right now for what's coming in the future. John chapter 14, verse 1. Don't let your heart be troubled. Now, I'm going to keep reading in just a second, but I really need to explain this first sentence. Would somebody say the word troubled out loud? This is the word that the whole passage today hangs on. We need to talk about what that word means in just a second. But what you can already see from this very first sentence is the disciples are struggling with what they've just heard. Now, to catch you up in chapter 13, Jesus just had the Last Supper. And at the Last Supper, he said, uh, some of you in this room are going to deny me. Some of you in this room are going to betray me, and spoiler alert, all of you in this room are going to bolt on me when it gets hard. And all of the disciples are struggling with what they just heard from Jesus, because he just predicted every one of you are about to stumble. Some of you are going to stumble in spectacular ways, and I need to prepare you before it even happens for getting back up and for dusting yourself off. So don't let your heart be troubled. Believe in God. And here's the antidote to a troubled heart. It's one word, and it's the word believe. Believe in God. Believe also in me. To the same degree that you believe in God, I need you to believe in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? And follow the logic here. If I go away and prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you to myself so that where I am, you may be also. And then we, somebody in this room should thank God for Thomas having the courage to overcome his fear and ask this bold question. You know the way I'm going. You know where I'm going is what Jesus says. And Thomas says, Lord, uh, we don't know what you're talking about. We don't know where you're going, so how can we possibly know the way? We ought to say thank God for Thomas because if Thomas doesn't ask that question, we don't get this answer from Jesus. How can we know the way? Jesus told him, I am the way. Thomas, 
Now, don't miss those first two words, I am. Jesus is making definitive statements with these next three phrases, and he is using God's first name. When Moses said, God, I have to go back and tell the people of Israel that you sent me, but I don't even know who you are, so tell me your name. God says, Moses, my name is I am. I was and I always will be. You go tell them that I am sent you. Jesus says, I am the way, Thomas. And oh, by the way, I am the truth. The definitive article in there makes it absolutely clear. There is no competition. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. And no one, absolutely no one in human history the saints of the Old Testament and all of the believers in the New Testament and you and I and everyone who will ever follow after us, no one comes to the Father except through me. If you know me, you will also know my Father. And from now on, you do know him. That word know is intimate relationship knowledge. You have an intimate relationship with him because you've seen me and you have an intimate relationship with me. For all of those morons out there, and I don't have a better word to use to describe it, who say that there are lots of ways to God, lots of roads that lead you to heaven. No, there's not. Uh-uh. No, there isn't. There's no way around what Jesus is saying in this passage. There is only one way. And by the way, it's a pretty narrow road, and there's not a whole lot of people on it. But there is only one way to the Father. And I'm that way. The disciples are struggling right now. And they're struggling hard with what they've just heard from Jesus. Because what they've heard is some of you in this room who think you're pretty awesome, you're about to stumble on your face and you're going to betray me. Some of you in this room who you thought was one of your brothers is going to sell me out for a little bit of pocket change. Some of you are going to deny me and all of you are going to stumble. And I need to prepare you ahead of time for it. And I hope you could hear the compassion in Jesus' voice when he's telling them, I know you're going to stumble, but I'm not turning my back on you. And I don't want you to turn your back on me. I have counseled lots and lots of people in really traumatic, really terrifying situations. Oftentimes, I've had guys, warriors, come up to me and ask me some advice while they're in the combat and facing life or death circumstances. And my advice has always been the same. Don't ever make a life-altering, career-deciding uh, choice while you're in this combat zone. Wait until after you get back from combat. My advice is the same every time, and it always comes from countless conversations with people after they get back from combat, and they made this tremendous decision while they're getting shot at, and then months later, when the dust settles and the bullets are not flying anymore, they really, really regret the decisions that they've made. They let Fear drive their decisions, and people almost always make irrational or really bad decisions when it's motivated entirely out of fear. 
So I tell them, listen, it might be scary right now, and you want to escape these circumstances, and you want to make the fear go away, but don't make life-altering decisions in those moments because chances are, months later, when it's not scary anymore, you're really, really going to regret, but you're going to have to live with the consequences of those decisions. Jesus says, I know you're scared. I need you to hang on to your faith. Because faith is the opposite of fear. It's not courage. Faith is the antidote. Believing is what's going to get you through the most challenging moments of your life. And then Jesus gives them some promises. Here's some promises that I want you to believe in. I came from heaven to here on earth, and I'm going back to heaven. And if you follow the logic, the one who is going back to heaven will come back again. And when I come back again, I'm coming back for you. And by the way, between now and the time that I come back again, I'm working on your behalf. I'm preparing a place for you. I can't tell you how many times I've heard pastors talk about this sermon and they've talked about this passage when Jesus says, I'm preparing a place for you, a room for you. And the room can be translated in some English translations. I'm preparing a mansion for you. So I hear all of these pastors talk about what that mansion is going to be like. Do you know that the room word that Jesus uses, it's actually a synonym for the word rest. He's saying, I know you're weary. I know you're tired. I know you're skinned up a little bit because life is hard here on earth. I'm preparing rest for you. And these pastors that focus on the mansion in heaven, I think they missed the essence of what Jesus is saying. Listen to this, y'all. He's saying, where I am, that's where you're going to be. And you get a chance to spend eternity with me personally. You see, heaven is not so much about the mansion that you're going to live in as much as the man that you're going to have a chance to follow every day for eternity in his presence face to face. Wherever that is, I don't care what I'm living in. If Jesus is close by, that's heaven for me. And Jesus says, I know you've fallen down a little bit. I know you've been skinned up a little bit. I know you've stumbled. I need you to know I'm not turning my back on you and I'm coming back for you. And if you're not a Christian, you ought to be terrified a lot by the fact that Jesus is coming back one day to judge the living and the dead. But if you are a follower of Jesus, you ought to be thanking God tonight that no matter how bad it gets, he's coming back. And he's going to give me his rest and I'm going to be with him wherever that is and whatever it looks like, I'm going to be with him for eternity. Fear impacts all of us from time to time. But doubt, when it creeps in, doubt will undermine everything. And I need you to remember not to let doubt cause you to miss out on what Jesus is saying here. Jesus is saying, listen, I am the way. You get on this path and you stay on this path and don't get off of that path. But I'm also the truth. And I'm also the life. And when you have me, you don't need to go anywhere else. You don't need to look anywhere else. Don't let doubt or difficulties cause you to miss the truth. Now, thank God that Thomas had the courage to get over his fear and to ask Jesus a question about where he's going. But Philip is struggling with what he's hearing. 
And so Philip has got some questions now too. Let's pick up in chapter 14, verse 8. Lord, said Philip, um, I think I understand what you're saying. And I think you're saying that by following me, you're actually following the Father. So Lord, I'm going to ask something bold from you. Lord, show us the Father. We want to see God the Father. And that's enough for us. And by the way, the word enough says that I'm struggling, that there's something missing. And if you would just give this one thing to us, Jesus, all of those things that are missing, the things that I'm struggling with, those things would be satisfied. If you'll just do this one thing for us, would you show us the Father? Listen to Jesus' reply. Jesus said to him, Have I been among you all this time? And you don't know, look at this word, you don't know me? Philip, the one who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words I speak to you, I don't speak on my own. Jesus is saying, listen, Philip, I need you to hear what I'm saying. These words don't come from me. They come directly from the Father. So when you're hearing my words, you're actually hearing from the Father. The words that I speak to you, I don't speak on my own. The Father who lives in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Otherwise, believe because of the works themselves. Philip, if you don't believe the words that I'm saying, would you at least go back and think about the works that I've done? That should be proof to you. Do you know what Philip is really asking for here? And we shouldn't throw a shade at Philip because, frankly, this is all of us from time to time. He's struggling with doubt, and he's saying, God, I need you to prove something to me. I need you to prove that you're real. I need you to prove that you love me. Jesus, I need you to do a personal miracle for me. I need you to show me the Father. And Jesus' response is patient, and it's gracious, but it's also clearing things up. Philip, I think you missed what I've been saying all along. I came from the Father, and when you heard my words, you weren't just hearing from me. You were actually hearing words that come directly from the Father. Philip, when you saw me feed the multitudes, that work, that miracle, it came from the Father. When you saw me quiet the storm and raise the dead and heal the sick or the blind, all of those things came from the Father. But I kind of think Jesus in the back of his mind is saying, Philip, are you kidding me right now? Would this miracle be big enough for you? I, it sounds like you want a personal miracle. And if that's what you're asking for, would this be big enough for you, Philip? What if I were to take somebody that was dead and make them alive? Would that be enough for you, Philip? Wait a second, Philip. What if I were to take you when you were dead in your sin and make you alive for the first time? Is that miracle big enough for you? Because that's what I've done for you and every single person that's ever bowed their knees and said, Jesus, you're my king. And from this point on, you're in charge and I will follow you wherever you ask me to go. 
That personal miracle he's been doing for billions of people over thousands of years. And really, there are still many that are saying, I need you to split the sky and I need you to spell it out with the stars at night. I need you to put it in the clouds in the daytime, Jesus, that you're real. And he's saying, I will do you one better. I will take a dead soul and make it alive for the first time in your chest. But you're going to have to believe. And James says, Believe without doubting because a double-minded or a two-minded person doesn't really believe in the first place. Philip is struggling. Thomas is struggling. All of them are struggling because they believed that this was the coming king. He's going to kick out Rome. He's going to take over the throne. He's going to be in charge, and I'm going to be right next to him, which makes me a pretty important dude. And now what I'm hearing from him is that he's going to be betrayed. He's going to be convicted. He's going to be sent to a cross, and he's going to die. And I didn't know that that was part of the equation, and all of them are wrestling with this. And Jesus is challenging them, don't give in to fear. I know it's tempting, but don't give in to fear. Jesus is challenging them, don't let doubt undermine your faith. Don't give in to doubt. Now, there are some of you that are watching right now that are not struggling with fear. You're not struggling with doubt right now. If that's you, you should probably give a high five to the person right next to you. But for everybody else in this room that's human, that stumbles, that struggles a little bit, Jesus' whole reason for this discussion today is to prepare you for those challenging moments. And what I want to do for just a second is to prepare you for the moments that may be waiting for you around the, around the corner, I hope you're not struggling with fear. I hope you're not dealing with doubt right now. But if you are, I want to give you a couple of tools, a couple of things to help you when you're about to stumble. And so I'm going to put a few things on the screens, and they, I think they just come naturally from what you heard from Jesus today. And I want you to hang on to these things this week before you get into those difficult circumstances, because Jesus is preparing his disciples in chapter 14 for what's coming around the corner. And here's the first thing that I want you to hear. Jesus is the one who left heaven and came to earth, lived the perfect life, lived the perfect example and then went back to heaven, which means he's ultimately the one who's leading your way. Listen, there are lots of books that you should read. There are other Christian authors, Christian, um, fo uh, Christian uh, followers of Jesus that you should look up to, but no one should have a bigger influence over the way that you live your life this week than just simply following Jesus. Like I said at the beginning of this sermon, I don't remember if I had my microphone turned on or not. The way, the phrase, the way was so powerful for his disciples that before Christianity ever had a name, after his resurrection, but before it became kind of an organized faith, they just referred to themselves as followers of the way. He told me he's the way. I'm just following him. So when I'm following him, I'm following the way. And you and I are still doing today what they started doing immediately after his death and resurrection, just simply getting up tomorrow and following him and letting everything else take care of itself. And if you're wrestling with how to do that, well, let me remind you, 
that Jesus is actually laying out your path. Which means look at the person next to you. Their path is going to be different than yours. He deals with you as an individual. He understands you intimately, which means he lays out a path for you to follow that's probably going to be different than everyone around you. And it's okay that it's different than everyone around you. Here's some good news or some bad news, depending on your perspective. The path that Jesus lays out for you almost never shows you the whole route and the final destination. He just gives you this part of the journey, this corner that you're coming up to. And he says, if you'll just walk with me, I'll take you to this corner. You can't see what's around the corner yet, but I will go with you to this corner. And when we get to this corner, then I'm going to show you the next part of the journey, the next part of the path. And I'm going to go with you on that part of the path. And you're probably like me thinking, yeah, but Jesus, I want to see the whole path. And he's saying, no, you don't. You would freak out if you could see the whole path. All you need to know is that this is what's right in front of you. And I'm going to walk with you. And Jeff, your path is going to be different than the person next to you. Because I am treating you as an individual and dealing with you personally. And I'm treating them as an individual and dealing with them personally. It's okay to learn from other Christians, but don't try to walk their path because that's their path, not your path. And I need you to know that when Jesus left his disciples, he said, hey, I'm going back to the Father and I'm gonna build your future. And your future is with me for eternity and I'm working as soon as I leave to build your future. And I know that you are concerned about your destiny. You're concerned about where your life is headed. You're concerned about your family and your finances and your marriage. That's human nature. I am. All of us are. But more than anything else, you need to rest tonight knowing my future is in good hands. Because it's not in my hands anymore. That's why my future's in good hands. I can trust the hands that my future are in because it's in the hands of the one who created the heavens and the earth, the one who created me, the one who created marriage and business and finances and family and everything else. So I really don't have to freak out about tomorrow or about 10 years from now because my future really is in good hands. And by the way, if you're wondering, well, what is he doing right now up there in heaven? Because it feels like he doesn't know what I'm going through. It feels like he doesn't care what's happening in my life. Maybe you need to get up and you need, you need to remind yourself tomorrow that Jesus is working for you and he's also working alongside of you. Always. Every second even when it doesn't feel like it. Listen, the, the statement that Jesus made, look up here for a second, when he said to his disciples, don't let your heart be troubled, is a command. He is commanding them, take control of your heart or else your heart will get out of control and your heart will take care of or take control of you. If you're freaking out a little bit, I need you to get that back under control. And maybe one of the things that will help you get that back under control is to remind yourself that I'm not leaving. Even though I'm going away, I'm going to send my Holy Spirit. 
And he will not only walk alongside of you, listen to me, Christian, he will dwell inside of you. He will be with you every second of every day. Jesus says, I'm not going to leave you alone. I'm going to send a comforter. I'm going to send a helper who will walk with you and work with you and come alongside you. So there's never a moment in your entire existence as a follower of Jesus that he's left you on your own. He's working right alongside of you. He's actually working inside of you by sending his spirit. And there's never a moment that you're alone. And listen, all of us in this room, everybody who claims the name of follower of the way, a believer in Jesus Christ, ought to be able to praise God for this one. The one who left heaven to come to earth to rescue you, the one who left earth to go back to heaven, made a promise in John chapter 14. And this promise is as trustworthy as the one who made it. If I go away, I promise you I'm coming back again. And not only am I coming back, but I'm coming back for you. To take you to be with me for eternity. You can take that one to the bank. So when it gets hard this week, when you mess up, when you trip up and you stumble and you skin your knees a little bit, when your heart starts to get troubled, when you're dealing with doubt, when you're wrestling with fear, I need you to get up tomorrow morning and I need you to remind yourself that Jesus is coming back. I don't know when, but I do know you can take this one to the bank. And he's coming back for you personally. And he's saying, I want you to be with me for eternity. Let me tell you how much you mean to me. I would be willing to leave my glory in heaven and come to earth to rescue you. I love you so much that I would become the sacrifice that you need in order for your sins to be forgiven. That's how much you mean to me. And I promise you, even though I'm going away, I promise you that I'm coming back for you. And one day, when I come back for you, you will be with me forever. By the way, when you read the end of the Bible, the promise is fulfilled, and you and I dwell among Jesus and in the presence of the Father on a new earth for eternity. No pain, no tears, no sickness, no suffering, just us living with King Jesus and following him face to face for eternity. So maybe somebody is struggling right now. And maybe what you need to hear from the Bible today is that you're struggling because your heart is troubled. You're dealing with doubt. You're dealing with fear because you've never had this personal miracle of Jesus taking an old heart, dead heart, and converting you into a new person. He refers to it in chapter 3 as being born again. And maybe what you need is to surrender to Jesus and be born again for the first time. If that's you, in just a moment, I'm going to pray for you. But I do know this. For every Christian, you need a group of brothers and sisters around you who will lock arms with you, who will stay with you, who will help you stay on the path. We call that around here a life group. In fact, in just a moment, you're going to hear from Pastor Troy how important a life group is for you. 
We hope you enjoyed this message. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast and to stay in touch by joining our email list through the link in the show notes. Have a great week.